Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I'm going to ask an obvious question today with an obvious answer, but then I want to look into it and, uh, and, and discover why it's such an important question. And uh, that, in, that question is, is Jesus Christ the only way to God? Is Jesus Christ the only, one and only way to God? Or saying it differently, is knowing Jesus Christ the only way to know God? Of course, Christians, we answer that, yes, he is. He certainly is. He is the one and only way. Well, why is this question so important? Why would I be asking that this morning? Well, many people in the world say that Christianity is just one of many equal religions and that there are many ways to God. That's what the world believes, those who believe in God at all. Uh, most people today, the, the majority of people believe that there are many paths to God and many different religions and you find one that sort of resonates with you and that'll be your path to God. Now this is nothing new. This philosophy has existed uh, from antiquity. I mean, it's, it's always been there. I remember back in the 1960s, and 70s when this philosophy really began to take, uh, uh, move into a place of prominence in our nation. Uh, before that, there were always people who believed that way, but they were in the minority and they sort of kept quiet about it. But in the 1960s, the 1970s, we saw a, 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 a change, a, a, a shift in culture and more and more people begin to, to speak out publicly. And the idea really caught hold in the popular culture that, you know, uh, we, we, we need to be accepting of all people and of all different uh, religions and of all different ways. And Because after all, you know, if it, if it works for you, then that's good. I remember when I first got back into fellowship with the Lord, in 1972, then in 73, and in 74, I, would, I, I went back and visited sometimes some of my old friends. I'd, I'd see them out, you know, at some of our usual hangouts at somebody's house or something. I'd, you know, I was driving, I'd pull in, you know, and walk up, and, and all my buddies were there, and then I'd start sharing with them what had happened in my life, how I'd found Christ and how it changed my life. And I remember this one particular, one particular fella he said, well, Edwin, he said, I think that's great for you. I think it's great that you've found something that you can believe in. I think that's just great for you. And uh, like I said, that was in the 1970s. This idea has really spread. And, uh, but the problem is today, many people, even within the church, in a desire, in a desire to be accepted by the culture, and a desire to be hip and progressive uh, seem to have bought into this lie. There are voices in the church, particularly among younger 
people, younger adults, people uh, 30 years of age, maybe a little older than that and younger, there is, there is a growing uh, 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 sentiment in the church that, uh, well, you know, the church just has too many rules. Uh, it's too dogmatic. It's too exclusive. And they say we should live and let live. Be tolerant. That's the new word. It's not really new, but it's, it's a strong, popular word. Be tolerant and, and respect other people's religious lifestyles and views as valid for them. They say, you know, Christianity is valid for me, but something else might be valid for another person. And as long as they believe that and they find peace with that, then that's okay. And so there's this uh, new concept of tolerance. Let me read to you what tolerate means from the dictionary. This is from the Webster's uh, College Dictionary, fourth edition, if you're interested, uh, a, late, a late edition. It says, to tolerate is to recognize and respect others' beliefs, practices, etc., without sharing them. It also means to bear or to put up with someone or something not especially liked. That's the real meaning of tolerate. I'll read that again. To recognize and respect others' beliefs, practices, etc. without sharing them. And to bear or put up with someone or something not especially liked. Like I said, there's a new definition of tolerance uh, that is systematically being foisted upon the American people and, and, and people all around the world. And, and uh, it's coming from a lot of different directions. But it says that uh, tolerance is, uh, every, is that every individual's beliefs, lifestyles, uh, perception of truth claims are equal. That is, your beliefs and my beliefs are equal. All truth is relative. That's, that's the new definition of tolerance, that I have to accept as valid what you believe just as I expect you to accept what I believe is valid. I have to then accept what you believe as valid. That's not the definition of tolerance. Uh, this misconception assumes that truth is inclusive, that it's sort of gathers under its wings, you know, things that are opposed to one another. But, you know, that's not what truth does. For truth to be truth, some things have to be not true. Or else other things aren't true. Amen. Truth is exclusive, at least to some degree, for it must exclude as false that which isn't true. Isn't that right? Let me give you an example. How many of you know what the capital city of, 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 I just gave it away, but you know it anyway. What's the capital city of the United States of America? What's the capital city? Washington, D.C. Now, we all know that. That's a fact. That's true. But because Washington, D.C. is the capital city of the United States, that means that no other city can be the capital of the United States. No other city in America, no other city on the planet. 
No other city can claim to be the capital city of the United States of America because the United States capital is in Washington, D.C. Uh, that's not being people who believe that people who accept the claim that Washington, D.C. is the capital of the United States are not being intolerant. It's not a matter of tolerance or intolerance. It's a matter of what is true. Now, if people accept the claims of Christianity as true, and obviously uh, billions of people do, accept the claims of Christianity as true, they're no more intolerant than people who believe that the United, that the United States Capitol is in Washington, D.C. It's just a matter of, 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 of what is true. Now, if people, who believe, if people like us who believe that Christianity is true, we are, we're not intolerant for believing that. We're either correct or incorrect. But we're not intolerant for believing that. And the claims of Christianity, of course, are that Jesus is the only way to God. And so uh, we're either right or we're wrong. Now, when you uh, develop, when you accept claims of truth, you need to do this after studying the facts. You shouldn't just blindly accept things for truth. Now, most of us were raised as children to believe the basic fundamentals of Christianity. And so we just believed it because our parents taught us. But as you get older and, and you begin to develop the powers of, of critical thinking and, and so forth and start thinking for yourself, you know, you have to go into the Word and find out what, what, what are the evidences what, what are the facts? What, 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 why would I stake my claim on something so important? I know as a young man in my uh, uh, late teens and early 20s, even though I had been raised in church, I tried to get away from, I tried to divorce myself from my Christian upbringing. I uh, was interested in, in philosophy and, uh, and dabbled in that a little bit, you know, diff different kinds of philosophy. But uh, in 1972, I was working out of town and, and my mom had given me a Bible about three years before that. And uh, I decided I'd take this Bible with me on this trip that I was on, on, on work because I was staying in a hotel, you know, in the, it, at night and, and uh, I had a lot of time on my hands. So I, I thought, well, I'm going to take my Bible. And I, and I remembered all the stories and all the things that I'd learned as a kid and I thought, I'm going to prove that this is not true. And I began to look through the Bible searching for loopholes. That I was confident, I was thorough. See, I wasn't somebody tr going through the Bible trying to find evidence of its truth. I was trying to find evidence that it was not true. But you know what happened. The more I read, the more stunned I became that the things that I had heard as a child actually were proving to be true. According to the Bible, they, can, they, they, they actually made sense. And so my, my liberal thinking uh, really got upended and, and, and uh, 
turned, you know, like I said, all upside down. But uh, it was a result of, of analyzing what are the facts? Why should a person believe that Christianity is true? And, uh, you know, it, like I said, if we're wrong, then Christianity is false. If we're wrong, then Christianity is false. If we're wrong about who Jesus is, then Christianity's a lie. Because everything in the Christian faith is built on one person. And it's built on what he said, what he did, and what was done for him. What he did, what he said, and what was done for him. And I'm talking about how God raised him from the dead. That's why this fits in well with what we were singing. Uh, and so, you know, the, the idea of tolerance, let me get back to that before and go, and go any further. Real religious tolerance is not acknowledging that other people's belief system are equal to ours and are and are just as good for them as ours is for us. That's not, that's not tolerance. Because to believe that, you have to deny the truth. Because, the, because Christianity and the Bible does not teach that there are other ways. And so uh, as Christians, we cannot accept other people's belief systems, but that doesn't mean we reject them. And, and people today, try to, they try to conflate those things. They try to make them one and the same. Let me illustrate. When I was growing up, the house that we lived in from the time I was about five until uh, I, I moved out at 17, uh, the house we lived in, to, if you're sitting in my house, to the right, our neighbors over here were not saved people. Now, the, the lady, the woman of the house claimed, I remember they claimed to be Baptists, but we never knew of them ever going to church. Probably some of their ancestors had been Baptists, you know. And so that, that label just stuck, well, we're Baptists. But they didn't go to church. They didn't live for God. In fact, the, the husband was an alcoholic. And a lot of times he wasn't a very nice alcoholic. He would get, he was an over-the-road uh, trucker, you know, he went a long-distance trucker, and he made really good money when he was working. When he wasn't working, he wasn't making any money, and he would come home with a flush of cash, and he would immediately go on a drinking binge, and uh, he'd come home drunk, he'd beat his wife. Back then, you have to understand that, that uh, you know, our houses were really close together. I mean, it was probably no more than about 15 feet from our house to their house, a little fence in between, chain link fence, you know. And every, no one had air conditioning, so all the windows are open. You could hear everything. And, uh, and at night, you know, he'd come in, he'd beat his wife. We could hear her over there screaming, begging him, don't hit me, don't hit me. And you could hear him, you know, punching her and slapping her around. And, and, uh, and he, he would come home and he would do stupid things. He would sell you know, our, our street was a Chevrolet Ford and Plymouth Street. How many of you older people understand what I'm talking about? GM made Chevrolets, then they made Buicks, 
I made uh, Pontiacs, I think, would be the next in the, in the in line. And then I don't know which is the higher, the Buick or the Oldsmobile, and then Cadillac's top of the line. Isn't that right? Dodge made Plymouth, Dodge, Chrysler. Huh? No, I'm talking about way back. Did they make DeSoto back then? Did they? Okay. Was that a, was that a brand? I don't even remember that. Then uh, Ford, you know, they had Fords and then they had Mercury's, little step up, you know. They had Lincoln's, a little high, you know. So they all, well, our street was not a Lincoln Street or a Cadillac Street, you know, or a Chrysler Street. Our street was a Chevrolet or Ford or Plymouth Street. Well, this, his, the name of the pe- people next door was Ewing, uh, the Ewings, and his name was Joel. And when Joel would go off on a drinking bench, he would come back. And they had bought a brand new, now I don't know if it was brand new, I remember it as brand new. It was at least late model. Buick LeSabre. Nice, sporty car, only one on the block. He had this beautiful Buick LeSabre. He went out drinking one night and he came home and he had traded that car to somebody at the bar for like a 40s era hot rod. And he came home, he come driving up in the yard, you know, he was so thrilled about that. I don't know how he got home, he was falling down drunk. Of course, you know, he comes out, he's making a commotion, everybody comes out in their front yards. It was, we had entertainment all the time, you know. We'd all come out to the fence and watch what was going on in the Ewing's front yard, you know. He's rolling on the ground, isn't that a great looking car? Of course, you could imagine what his wife said. She come out, what in the world have you done? Ah, this is just a dream I've always wanted. And uh, so he kept doing stuff like this. And uh, other, I could tell you many, many stories. But my point is, we did not endorse their lifestyle or their belief systems, but we were friends with them. On the other side of us, on the left side, the family over there were Catholics. Now, again, they claimed to be Catholics. We never knew of them going to mass or to church or anything. They just claimed they were Catholics. They didn't live for God. The people across the street from us, I don't remember them having any religious affiliation. In fact, I don't remember anybody on our street going to church except us, except maybe two doors down the crewers might have, but I'm not sure. I don't remember anybody else. We were the only ones on Sunday that ever went to church. But you know what? We were friends with people in the neighborhood. When, when my mom was baking a cake and she didn't have flour, she sent me next door with a cup, you know, go to Miss Ewing. And I think her name was Yvonne. And uh, go, to, go over and ask uh, Yvonne, you know, for some flour. So I'd go over and get a cup of flour. If she ever needed sugar, she'd send one of the kids over to our house. We grew up with their kids. We did things together, what you would call today block parties. People in the neighborhood would get together. We'd have, you know, we'd have a shindig out in the backyard of somebody's house. Uh, we went on trips together. We went to the, we got all the kids in the neighborhood together one time. And my wife, my mom rather, and Miss Ewing uh, took all the kids to the zoo. Some, her oldest son and, an, and another boy, teenage boy across the street, shoplifted some stuff at the, at the gift store in the, in the zoo got busted, <laughs> security came in, they called the police, it was a big deal, you know, uh, parents, you know, were humiliated and, and all that sort of stuff, but my point is, we were tolerant of people, we were holy people, I mean, we were holiness, you know, we didn't, we didn't 
We didn't smoke. What's the saying, Michelle? We didn't smoke, drink, or chew, or run with girls who do, you know. <laughs> we didn't. We lived by a strict religious code. But you know what? We respected our neighbors. That's tolerance. We don't have to buy into other people's doctrine or lifestyles to be tolerant. Amen. Well, is Jesus the only way to God? Turn to uh, John 3. John chapter 3, verse 16, Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he who gave his only begotten son for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world, not just America, but that the world through him, not through anybody else, might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Jesus said, if you don't believe in me, you are condemned. That's a pretty strong statement. He said in in John chapter 8, let's just turn to a few of them real quick. We won't take the time to read all the context because it'll take too long. But look at John 8, verse 12. Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of light. Verse 21, Jesus said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sins. Where I go, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Because he says, where I go, you shall not come. You cannot come. He he said to them, you are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore, I said that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Now, you see, for a person to make a statement like that, he either is a liar or he's a lunatic or else he really is Lord of all. I mean, if he's, if he's a liar, then what kind of scam would he be trying to uh, devise that he would lay his life down for. If he's a liar, I mean, if, if he knew these claims were not true, why would he go to the cross? And, and remember that the cross wasn't just being nailed uh, to a tree, having your hands and your, and your feet nailed to the cross. The crucifixion that he suffered was the most bloody, brutal, horrific, event a person could possibly endure. And we won't go into all of that. But the Bible says that his his physical image was so marred that he no longer even looked like a man. He was so savagely beaten. Why would somebody do that for a lie? 
Now, on the other hand, if he believed these things were true and they weren't, then he was just a lunatic. But we're going to prove that can't be the case either. So the only other thing that remains is they were true and, and what he said was in fact true. Jesus claimed to be God. He said before Abraham was, he said, backing up, he said, Abraham saw my day and rejoiced to see my day. The Jews answered, well, you're not even, you're so old and Abraham's been buried now, you know, for hundreds of years. Who do you, who do you think you are? Jesus said before Abraham was, I am. If you know anything about the Old Testament, you know that I am was the designation that God gave to Moses declaring his who he was. He said, I am, Moses said, if I go to Pharaoh and tell them to, to, that uh, 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 you know, you're supposed to let God's people go, who shall I say sent me? God said, say I am that I am sent you. So all the Jews understood I am to mean God. Jesus said before Abraham was, I am. They clearly believed that he was declaring himself to be God. He said, I and my father are one. They got mad at him. He said, why are you mad at me? He said, because you being a man, make yourself God. Well, Jesus claimed to be God. He said this, he said, no man comes to the father except through me. That's a bold statement for somebody to say. Now, we also know that other scriptures throughout the New Testament declare that he is the only way. Acts 4, 12, there's salvation and no other, no other name given under heaven by which men must be saved, but the name of Jesus. He is overall the eternally blessed of God, Romans 9, 5. He is by nature, very nature God. By, by very nature, he was God, but he emptied himself of his divine prerogatives. Philippians chapter 2, Colossians chapter 1, all things were created by him, Christ, and for him and through him all things exist. Colossians chapter 2, in him dwells the fullness of all the Godhead bodily. We are told to, to be looking for the blessed hope and appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, without going into a lot of other detail, his miracles declare who he was. Uh, but jumping over a little bit so that we can, we can uh, just get into, introduced to this today. How about his resurrection from the dead? You know, Jesus told his disciples, he said, this gospel of the kingdom that I'm preaching to you, you will take unto the ends of the earth. He said this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all nations until the end of time. Now, who in the world would make such a bold claim that, their, that the future of their movement would exist, that their movement founded upon them would exist for all times and then turn around and say, and by the way, I'm going up to Jerusalem and I'm going to be betrayed 
by the, by the priests and I'm going to be crucified and on the third day I'm going to rise again and I'll see you in Galilee. Now who in the world wanting his message and his movement to live until the end of time would make such a claim? I mean, who in their right mind? You better know what you're talking about. You better know that you know that you know that you're coming out of the grave or else your whole program just fell apart. Everything you believed, everything you taught, it doesn't matter how noble the teaching and what Jesus taught was universally accepted as noble teachings. But you know what? It wouldn't amount to anything if he was still in the grave because there would be no signature upon it. There would be no validity. There would be no validation from God because he would die the death of every other man. Well, he was a good teacher. He said a lot of great things, but he also, he's the only, do you realize he's the only religious leader that ever said, I will rise from the dead. Of all the major religions in the world, only four religions are built on personalities. All the others are built on philosophies. Judaism, uh, Christianity, uh, Buddhism, and uh, uh, Islam. These four are built on prominent personalities. But Buddha never claimed, I'll rise again. He never said it. You go through all of the readings and all of the scriptures, the Buddhist religion, there's not any suggestion that he ever said or or suggested that I will rise from the dead. Nobody expected it. It didn't happen. He just died. Abraham, the founder of the, you know, he's the father of the faith, the Jewish religion. He never claimed that he would rise from the dead. He never said, I'm going to die, but after a few days, I'm going to be raised from the dead. He never claimed that. And the Jews, even refuting Jesus, they said, Abraham, you know, was dead, has been dead all these years, and, 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 and we know where he's buried, and who do you think you are? Muhammad, you know, he died in 632 A.D. He never claimed to, to, to come back from the dead. In fact, he died in Medina and thousands and thousands of people flocked to his tomb every year to pay homage. He, that his body is still in the tomb. Jesus was the only man who ever said, I'm going to die and not one day, not four days, not three and a half days or nine days, three days I will be raised from the dead. You don't make those kind of statements unless you've got something to take to the bank. And, and he was, now, now people will say, yeah, but how do we know he was raised from the dead? Well, listen, his disciples staked their entire lives upon the fact that he was raised from the dead. Now, if he wasn't raised from the dead, the disciples certainly would have known it. Because they went to his tomb early. They had reason to go to his tomb. 
because they had uh, charge of some of the women had charge of care of the of the body and 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 so forth because he was hastily buried so they had to go and make some preparations they they were attending to him if he wasn't raised from the dead they would have known it say so, well they they wanted to keep the dream alive to the point of of suffering the deaths that they suffered every one of the apostles of the of the 12 you know, counting Matthias, not Judah, Judas, but every one of the 12 died a violent, painful death except John, the beloved. Every one of them. Why would they lay their lives down for a lie? Besides that, if he hadn't been raised from the dead, why didn't somebody produce his body? When the claims spilled out all over Jerusalem that he's been raised from the dead, why didn't the Romans, why didn't the Jews find his body and say, no, he didn't because he's right here. Drag him out on the streets. They couldn't refute. You know why? Because they couldn't find his body. It had been raised from the dead. The tomb was empty. We have... We have the testimony of scripture. We have the testimony of history. We have the testimony of of lives transformed. No other religion transforms people. No other religions make people a new creation. No other religion, some religions will, will, uh, uh, you know, clean people up a little bit, but it doesn't change their nature. Oh, glory to God. Jesus is the way, he's the only way, and we need to be bold to declare it. Not in, not in an uh, accusative way, but we need to be bold to insist on the fundamental truths of our faith. Listen, doctrine matters. What we believe matters. The fundamentals of our faith are important. Now, there's a difference between doctrine and dogma. Dogma in the church is basically uh, defined as principles, etc., that have been declared to be indisputable, in, uh, infallible. And, and different churches have all kinds of dogmas that they have declared certain things to be an infallible principle. But that's, there's, some of those are true and some of them aren't true. But doctrine is the teaching of the holy word of God. And we need to stand pure in our doctrine. We need to teach it to our children. We need to teach it to our... T- Listen, the, the, the philosophy of this world, they're constantly trying to erode the faith of our children. We need to make sure, you need to quiz your children about what they really believe. What are you being taught? Ask them questions that can, that can flush out what's really going on in their mind. Make sure that we don't yield to the spirit of this age because Jesus is the way, he's the only way, and he's acceptable, accessible to all men, anybody. See, he's not exclusive. He doesn't just belong to one group. He doesn't belong to one nation. He doesn't belong to one family. He doesn't belong to one ethnic group. He belongs to all. He says, God so loved the world that he gave me his only begotten son that whoever believed in him might not perish but have everlasting life. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. 
Christianity stands or falls on whether or not Jesus was raised from the dead, and he was. He's alive. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let's stand up. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. Steve, won't you go on up? Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Be respectful of other people and respect what they believe and then respectfully show them how the claims of Christ outshine them all. Far superior to every other claim. Praise God. Oh, we have the goods. We have a Savior who's alive. Hallelujah. And and he's alive and there's evidence that he's alive because he's doing things in our lives today. Amen? Glory to God. Be quick to share your testimonies of what God has done for you through Christ Jesus. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.